Hey everyone, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. We don't have uh, anything particular planned when we sit down to talk about the show. So to alleviate that, I've got a whole timestamp thing of show notes that I keep track of as we talk. The reason we do that is because we sort of reality podcast our lives and discuss things in real time about life where people are weird and hard. We've got four kids who are also weird and hard. Uh, Molly and I have been married for 13 years. Have we? It's 14. 14? Okay, Mm -hmm. 14 years. We're in our 14th year. No, we're in our 15th year. What? We got married in August of 08. So last August of 22 was 14 years. On the one hand, I feel like I've had hardly any time with you. And on the other hand, I feel like we've been together forever. What is that sound? I have a chicken. I have a several-day-old chick little cuddled up to my heart. They're so cute, you guys. We are up to 20. (laughs) We got 12 more yesterday. And I don't know what kind this is. I'm going to have to put it back, though. It's starting to kind of get... Get a little upset. If it's, I, if I, is it one of the new ones? It's one of the new ones. It's either a black Australorps or a Plymouth Bard Rock. That's right. I knew it started with a P and was a location, but I couldn't remember what they, what it was. They all, all the new twelve ones look alike, though. Uh, I've had several people. Speaking of which, probably because they're all um, Australorps. Could be. And your nephew handed the wrong chickens to you. No, I've, I've had several people ask for an update about who killed the chick from last week. <laughs> and the the answer is nobody did because that chick did not die. <laughs> that chick, it's true. if you recall, that was stuck under the water dish, which the water dish, I did not, I did not realize this until I looked more closely at it when I was washing it out. It It's curved up. On the on bottom, the yeah. so this this squishy little several day old thing w- was not being flattened like a pancake. It was being flattened <clears throat> under about three quarters of an inch of headspace. So imagine you're about to get run over by a semi. If you f- pancake just right between the tires and don't lift your head up when the axles are going over you, you could be okay. And I think this chick. This chick made that cut. Unfortunately, when I went back to Shipton's yesterday to buy more, the gal said, have you had chicks before? And I said, well, we've had another batch from you guys for a week. So I don't know if that counts for have you had chicks before? And she goes, oh, you bought them from us last week. Did they all survive? And I said, oh, interesting. And I said, no, we got 11 and three died. And she goes, oh, that's not bad. (laughs) Especially considering the bitter cold conditions under which they were shipped. Hmm. So apparently they were shipped in ways that can't do... Because if you guys haven't had chicks before, which we never have, we are winging it, pun intended. (laughs) And as evidenced by the... If you were... Maybe I'll post a picture on our Instagram and on our Telegram. There are so many discarded little chick brooder box options in our downstairs bathroom where where we currently have the chicks going like the heat lamp was melting the side of this plastic box the this plastic box got too small for them they were hopping out and then we got a new batch and then 
a new set of heat for it, and then the heater was too big for the new batch. Isn't it cute? Adorable. It's so cute. They like being snuggled against you. I think they can hear your heart beating, and it makes them think Little of baby chicks the mom they never had. And anyway, so we're winging it. Where was I going with that? Anyway, so we got, if you guys listened to last week, we'd gotten 11. The one got smashed totally fine now. We don't even know which one it was. But later that evening, one was legs behind it, face first in the sawdust. Which, to be fair, is also how baby how some of them sleep. sleep. You just don't know. But it was uh, it just got more and more floppy and unable to move and we tried giving it water and it didn't it that didn't help. So it was dead before bedtime. And then we got home from skiing the next day and one was dead and another was very much on its way there and within what an hour of us realizing that it was on its way to dying, it died. And it was all three of one kind. So I, the gallet gal shipped is, we have one, our girls, our kids had named those the Leias, and we, so we have a Leia now. The gallet Shiptons seemed to not be surprised and to think that losing, only losing three out of 11, when they were shipped under those bad circumstances, was not so bad. Because, oh, what I was starting to say was, when you get them, you're supposed to have them at a, in a, under a heat lamp where the the temperature directly under the heat lamp is 100 degrees for the first hour after you bring them home. And then you lower it to like 95 degrees for a week. And then you lower it by five degrees for every subsequent week is the thing. We're not following that. We're just making sure they're warm. And the thing is, is they have an innate, they have bird brains, but they have strong instincts. And they, if they're too hot, if they have a place in their cage where they can go to cool down, they will huddle there. So even these teeny ones huddle together. When I checked on them this morning, they were closer to their food and water than directly under the light. So I raised the light up a little bit because obviously it was too hot for their teeny little bodies. And they knew that. And they managed, if they have an option, they managed to fix that. (laughs) You guys, when I brought them home, I didn't mention this on the last show, but when I brought them home, they came in a little cardboard Chicken. Like a happy meal box. Yeah, that was my that was my punchline. Oh, I was like, sorry. my first thought with those little nuggets was, oh, it's a happy meal it's box. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, that was that was Elise, not Elise, Faith, because the three Leias that she kind of considered. Can you back up? You haven't explained this Leia thing. Oh, it, our kids. So we had. <clears throat> Three yellow ones that are called Buff Orpington, three, four Rhode Island Reds initially, and four Americanas. And the kids have been plotting for months because we've now, for over a year, been talking about getting chickens, but this last summer, life circumstances were just not ideal to start. So they've been talking about what they're going to name their chickens for months and months and months. And they each have, like, Titus really wants to name a chicken minus. He wants plus and minus. And then one of the new ones, he named Pepper because it looks like it has it has black spots on his head. So it looks like Pepper sprinkled on its head. But because we've been doing the whole Star Wars thing as a family since Christmas, uh, 
there was going to be a Padme and there was going to be a Leia. And then all of the Americanas looked the same. So they were all, they all became Padmes. <laughs> and then all of the Rhode Island Reds became the same. So they all became Leia's. And it kind of became. And they ended nice, up calling the yellow Buff Orpingtons the sugars. sugars. <laughs> and then all 12 of the new ones all look the same, even though they're two different breeds, theoretically. And so I'm not convinced your nephew gave you the right ones. They they wouldn't have had what he Jr. keeps saying is my sister in law very kindly. It, it's it chickens this year are kind of like toilet paper in the spring of 2020. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, when I went to our big R Shipton's to get these, every person walking out had a Happy Meal box that was chirping. Every person in Shipton's on, that was yesterday morning, mm-hmm. Thursday morning, was there buying chickens because the new batch had just come in. They opened their doors in the morning, and this particular, the Plymouth Bard Rock ones, your, JR's sister and her husband had really had settled on wanting some of this breed. And she had called, there's three Shiptons in our town, and she had called around to all three. And the one that I go to that's closest to us did not have any in stock. They didn't get any. But the one downtown and the one in the Heights and the one in the Heights had 12. And they wanted to buy like three or something. And we wanted to buy six. And so she drove out there. She texted me on the way and said, would you like me to pick some up for you? Because I was, I'm not driving all the way out there. I had a lot of other things on my plate, including cats that I thought were dying and we'll, we can we'll get, get to that, that later <clears throat> yesterday was really stressful for me you guys some of which was out of my control and some of which I probably could have just handled my emotions better but anyway so my sister-in-law picked up this six Plymouth rocks bard rocks for me and then put them in under the heat with all of theirs that they had gotten because they they'd just previously gotten some austral arps as well Yes. So, um, anyway. You know, at the same time we got our original batch. Yeah. So, so. anyway, they yeah. have nine and she had six of ours in with their nine. And my nephew, who is nine, uh, was the one who pulled them out for me and popped them in the Happy Meal box. So, uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm now, not looking a gift. The ship, chick nobody really, in the nobody mouth. really cares. But the Shiptons on the West End was planning on getting their Plymouth Bard Rocks at the beginning of March, like next week. Uh, this is the beginning of March, actually. Uh, I meant well. I, right, ne- I forgot we March. were we weren't in September anymore. Yep. Um, it's March. So anyway. So yeah, we now we have twenty little chicks. Eight of them. Eight of them in a big the in a big one. dog kennel, and then. 12 of them in a little bin. In a plastic storage All bin. of them in our downstairs bathroom with the... There's a standalone heater we have down there as well, so I turned that up. Yep. It's warm in there. and stinky. Warm and stinky in that bathroom. It It's not crazy stinky. Sorry. No, it's not horrible. I put my on silent. Okay, but... Oh, my mom just texted that it's snowing right now. What? Apparently it's snowing oh, right now. I was out without a hoodie. Felt fine to me. I don't know. Anyway. So... So I could go two ways. I'm going to very briefly explain the cats almost died thing and then go back to the chickens dying. Well, we think thing. they might have. We don't really The know. cats? Well, I, I mean, that we they were in really rough shape yesterday. You guys, yes, our cats, 
our indoor outdoor cats they were born as barn cats you probably know that if you know us and we live on two acres kind of out in the middle of fields and one of the main reasons we got cats besides that we love to snuggle them is because we had a pretty significant mouse problem in our garage and our cats are tremendous mousers even so (laughs) I don't know if you knew that a gal from our church saw on my Facebook yesterday Lily had some extra loaves of bread mm-hmm. and I posted hey Lily's not going to be able to sell these at judo tonight because I didn't think we were going to judo and would anybody like to try Lily's homemade organic sourdough bread that she sells and this gal from our church messages me on Facebook and says I'd love to come buy some well we'd already sold out of the four loaves that she made for yesterday so I said I'll I'll make and it was we ended up going to judo this is very confusing to people who are listening and don't know our lives. <laughs> anyway, we ended up at judo after all. And by the time I finished connecting with this gal, she had sold out of bread and it was bedtime. And so I said, look, we'll, we'll make you a totally fresh loaf. And anytime after 1130, come by and pick up a loaf. And she's very, her kids go to the Audubon program and she has a, a regenerative garden. She does no-till garden. And she actually uses a church's property that backs up to her backyard and sells the produce from this kind of borders on a community garden thing. Anyway, she's a very interesting person, and she is very outdoorsy. And she comes around to our front door, and she goes, there's a dead mouse on your sidewalk. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting, because usually the cats bring the dead mice to the back, but maybe they were... So our cats hunt outside all night and come inside in the morning and eat. They have a very strange... They're very, very routine, creatures of routine. They come inside, they eat their breakfast, and then they wait for us to give them their daily tablespoon of tuna from the can. They absolutely love tuna. And then they go to sleep all day. Uh, Yesterday... I was kind of in doing some stuff. I took the compost out of the compost pile early in the morning. And as I'm coming back inside, Luna, our what, four-year-old, really fluffy cat, c- emerges from the tarps that cover the bikes next to our hose bib. And she's limping and she's meowing at me. And then I look at her and she has blood dripping from her eye. And she's moving really slowly and... The more I look at her, it seems like she has blood coming out her mouth and she has a huge gash above her ear. And she's, I couldn't, I still don't know which leg she's limping on or if it's her back because her, she just, it's her gait is really wonky. It doesn't seem like she's favoring a particular leg. And so she comes in and I care, I try to give her some tuna and she doesn't eat it. And then I just go put her on my bed and I cover up her with a blanket to try to preserve heat for her so her body's not trying to warm up from being outside in the cold and recover from the shock of whatever's just happened to her. And an hour passes, two hours pass, and usually Minerva is in the garage, our other cat, waiting to be let in so she can go directly to the food and to the tuna. And she doesn't come back. She doesn't come back. So I kind of go out to the ditch behind our property and I call her and she doesn't come. And then I go out into the garage and I think maybe she's in a knit in a little nook somewhere. And sure enough, she was. And I go to pick her up and she meows painfully. 
And I'm like, you too? And I look at her and she's got a huge gash over under her eye and her whole side of her face, her that with Minerva, it's the right side of her face, is super puffy. And she's got a gash out of her leg. And you guys, I have no idea. <laughs> Our cats are not friends. They do not hang out together. So they were both attacked by something separately. I don't know. I kind of like to think maybe it was a cat turf war and they had a gang fight and they won. You know, it was just one of those things. Where I, like, okay, we're gonna st- we're gonna we're gonna the, throw down the tonight. gash above <laughs> Luna's ear is too big to be cat teeth or cat claws. Like in terms of how wide it is. Maybe they both went after a dog together. <clears throat> they don't team up on things. We don't know this. We do. We do. No. Cats do not change their character when they are away. They might be from looking us. out for each other. I like to think that they're different because I have an imagination. Okay. Well, I have an imagination too, but I'm also a realist. Our neighbor directly east of us, across the street from their back porch, is a gravel pit. And she says that she can hear coyotes yipping and howling if she goes back out on her her back porch at night. Oh, I've heard them. Yeah. We've got coyotes all over the place. And she and our cats really like to, they have some kind of gently rolling hills where they've planted trees at halfway between the street and their patio mm-hmm. and our cats love to hunt in those because there's gopher holes and stuff and so she thinks that maybe a, a coyote crossed the street and found them or something or the cats crossed the street mm. and a coyote found them anyway i was very concerned minerva i turned on the fireplace because she loves to sleep on this this poof that i have she she slept in front of the fireplace for literally all morning, probably four hours straight. She just, she was warm to the touch in front of the fireplace. And then she kind of started acting like the pain was wearing off. Like she wasn't just like hunched up. Cats do this thing where they loaf. They look like a bread loaf and they put their legs under them and neither cat would put their head down. They would kind of nod off and then jerk their head up because it seemed like it was too painful to lie on their side. And... And Luna in particular just seemed like she could not get comfortable. And then she disappeared. She was on our bed under the, like I said, under the down comforter. And then she disappeared and I couldn't find her for several hours. And I looked under our bed because I was like, there's no way she jumped up with how she was feeling. She didn't jump up on a kid's bed or something. And sure enough, she was under our bed and she stayed there all day. And then one of the kids at bedtime pulled her out from under the bed. And I was like, well, that was mean. <laughs> but they didn't realize, apparently with all the texting I was sending you about the kids and Jared was mm-hmm. with the kids all yesterday, apparently that did not get communicated that our cats Man, were. I was trying. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, we can talk about if we want to touch on that and let people know what we did yesterday, too. I was trying to figure out. I was like, I would have been home yesterday. Why was I not here for you going to get the chicks and the cats and all this stuff? And then it occurred to me I was in Bozeman with the kids. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so anyway. So anyway, I was I was pretty concerned because Luna, you never know with the amount of trauma that she obviously had to her physical being what internally is going on. Because she literally had a drop of blood coming from the inside corner of her eye for most of the morning. And she stuck her tongue out she was lying there with her tongue like like just barely peeking out between her teeth and there was there was blood on yeah she does it when she's really relaxed but there was blood on her tongue so she obviously had blood inside of her mouth 
from a wound and then with her back and her ear gash, I was, I just didn't know if there was internal trauma that we were not aware of. And we don't know. Uh, so, so last night after the kids dragged her out from under the bed, I gave her, and she was just lying there on the bed. I gave her, I took a, poured some tuna water, just, you know, the water you drain off of a can of tuna fish because Luna is obsessed with tuna. I to put some of that in front of her and she just snapped her head up <laughs> and she just drank it. It was probably a, it was probably a tablespoon worth, but she hadn't had mm. anything all day and she lapped it up like crazy. And then I did that again right before I went to bed at about 11 and she drank that and I was like, "You know, that's encouraging. Like she's thirsty. She recognizes it and she's eager <clears throat> to consume <clears throat> that." And then this morning I got up and she wasn't under my bed anymore. She was out in the dining room, and she... She wasn't walking with much of a limp this morning, so she's, that was good. She's acting like she's real sore, mm-hmm. and her left eye, where she had the gash and the blood coming from her eye, her left eye was completely swollen shut this morning. She couldn't open it at all. And it's now, she can open it about halfway. <laughs> and she's just sleeping on top of my bed in the normal Cats. place where she sleeps, and Minerva's on our bed too, so I called it the infirmary, and then had to teach the kids what an infirmary is. And Titus thought that was funny. He had to come down and tell me all about it. So anyway, um, so that was what was stressful for me. Going back to the chickens, the chicks. <laughs> I made that mental bookmark. It was like Hansel and Gretel. I left the crumb, and the birds didn't eat it. Okay. So now I can go back to that crumb and go down another path. Uh, so, so yet last week, most of what we talked about was processing guilt and shame with having done something that is truthfully guilt and shame worthy. Mm-hmm. And you and I at the dinner table, cause still no kid owned having smashed the chick under the water. And we were like, look there, if, if you won't own it, this is now like we said last week, an issue of of discipleship for us. We want your soul to experience the freedom of acknowledging something that your soul tells you should be hidden. But what we want you is to train your soul that it's better to get it out into the light. And we will not be watching the show tonight that we were planning to watch until someone owns it because it is so important to us that you not train your soul in hiding guilt and shame. And we kind of, at dinner, very lightheartedly talked about things that we had done in our youth that we hid. For example, I drove my parents' lawnmower. You guys, this is so embarrassing. This literally... Reminds me of the toddler you see on TikTok who has chocolate all over her face and the parents are like, what happened to the chocolate? And she's like, I don't know what happened to the chocolate. I didn't eat it. And you're like, it's literally all over your face. And the in the toddler's mind, they're thinking, I can plausibly deny this. And they're not aware of the evidence anywhere. Well, I was not paying attention and drove my parents' lawnmower on their old house into this knee-high brick wall at an angle and bent the tire out, like actually bent the axle or whatever. I don't know my (laughs) lawnmower terminology. And so it still could drive straight, 
But because one tire was out at an angle, you had to really crank the wheel to get it to turn and you couldn't do a tight turn anymore. And I didn't tell my dad. And he didn't know for weeks because I was the primary one to mow the lawn in the summer. And then he gets on it once and he's like, what'd you do to it? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> like, it's very obvious that it doesn't drive right. And I had convinced myself because I had driven it for several weeks wonky, I had convinced myself that it was driving just fine. And then somebody who knows what what's right, it gets on and goes, it doesn't turn right. Because the wheels, one of the wheels faces out. And, you know, so I, I told the kids this, this story. And it's funny now because it's so absurd to think that I could get away with not well, and then before you continue, and then the story I told was uh, when we were living in Billings. I don't remember how old that was. It was the very first time we lived here, and I we got so tired of getting spanked that we took all of my dad's belts and hid them behind his waterbed. They had one of those waterbeds. Water bed. <laughs> Sorry, one. let's just pause and enjoy nineteen eighties <laughs> waterbeds. Okay, carry on. It had. It had one of those uh, big headboards behind it that was empty underneath. So if you were small enough, you could crawl back in this little yeah, no exactly square cave, right? About. So we chucked all of the all of his belts under there, so he wouldn't get spanked. But then when we moved, he's like, "How do my belts fit? Where are my belts been under here? Who put my belts under here? No, none of us owned up to it." <laughs> Clearly, someone put the belts there. <laughs> Maybe the dog did. <laughs> I don't, you know, as I got to thinking about it, like I, I just kind of take ownership, but I honestly don't remember if who actually did actually did that, or if I did that, or if, or my brother told me he did that, and I thought it was a good idea, or what what the I don't you I were don't all honestly guilty. remember. You we were, were all, all oh guilty. yeah, we all knew, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. So, so it, anyway, a couple hours, maybe half an hour after dinner. A child that I will not name comes to me and says, can I talk to you in private? And I was like, oh, here it is. And she says, I truly don't know. But I know I moved the water bowl. Hmm. So it was probably me. And I was like, thank you for telling me. You know, I forgive you. You're not in trouble at all. I really wanted you to just practice Speaking the truth and not trying to hide. And I really want your soul to experience. And I quoted some of Psalm. Dang it. Is it Psalm 51? I remember I looked it up last week. I anyway, 51. I quoted some mm-hmm. of Psalm 51 to her. And she goes, no, I don't feel better. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> okay. Well, what what's going on in your mind? And she said, I know that my siblings are going to be mean to me about it. Because we missed out on the show because of me. And it was a stupid move. I wish we'd never even gotten the chickens. I'm just so <clears throat> stupid. And they're just going to rub that, rub my face in my my actions that have affected them and that we're dumb. And I was like, yeah, they probably will because they're jerks. And, <clears throat> and naturally, I'm, I'm not saying that my kids are a special breed of jerk. I'm saying my kids are run-of-the-mill kids. And this is what kids... And adults, let's be honest, do is if somebody does something that affects us, we want them to pay for it. And so I said, well, here's the deal. 
you have you have your own set of of things that you are learning spiritually and where you're growing right now and they also do so i am going to go before you come out and we actually still have time to watch the show can you hear a little chirpy chirp Mm -hmm. so cute yeah just wants to just wants to be she's she we hope she's currently standing just kind of on my belly shelf no, you had your hand out, and it was just, she was just standing there looking around. Mm-hmm. Maybe Wait. she just wants to stand up and look around for a minute and explore. So, so I I said I'm gonna go. Used to here, we still have time to watch the show, but I'm going to go talk to your kids or to your siblings. And I talked to them about the peril of parable of the elder brother because it's in that parable. It's not the one who did the overtly wrong thing. Who, who at the end of the parable stands condemned. It's the, I know better, I always do the right thing. I look down on my brother who, who did an overtly wrong thing and was forgiven by parents, by the father. And yet I am withholding forgiveness because of how it affects me and because of my pride. And I said, that, that cannot be you guys. You guys need to be kind, you need to be empathetic, you need to be humble and recognize that any one of us could have made this mistake and also be generous in your heart towards the one who actually did make this mistake. And it took a while of them sniveling and being like, I knew it was her, I told you so, I'm glad it wasn't me, uh, to settle in their hearts that they were not going to act in this way towards her sister, towards their sister. And uh, she she still was tentative and fearful for a little while, but she was ultimately happy. But that situation got me thinking. I feel like God works in our lives in themes. where mm-hmm. we, we have one situation and then several others that are kind of in a constellation around that one main theme come up. And I feel like the theme for me this week on that topic has been the question of, do I have the capacity in my, how do I say that? I'm going to say it snottily and then I'm going to say it not snottily. How do I, do I have the capacity in my theology, in my anthropology, in my soteriology to really practically absorb the depravity of mankind? So in a non-fancy way, do, how do I handle is in my own adult life and my relationships and in my parenting of my kids in their relationships how do i handle the needing to be able to say to someone yeah i did that and i'm not making any excuses like yeah i i'm i'm going to do the opposite of yeah i said that but i didn't really mean it i said that and I meant it. The mean thing that I said to you, I actually, in my heart, was hating you. And I meant it. <clears throat> the, the bad thing that I did is actually as bad as it looks. And I can't, I, I can't minimize it and still be honest. Or 
in terms of my kids, I had a friend text me yesterday. We were, I had a back and forth with a friend yesterday, and she said that her her son was accused of kicking a kid or hitting a kid or something on the bus, on the school bus, and it was reported not to her but to the principal who then went to other kids to try to get the story straight and clearly did not get a real good story by investigating this amongst other kids and then essentially did a case closed, told the mom and then the other mom what the so-called investigation had revealed and what she was going to do about it. And that was it. And my friend was like, uh, no, (laughs) that was not adequate. First of all, I don't have the whole story here. And it's important to me to know what, what my son actually did. And secondly, there's zero reconciliation between this, these two kids who ride the bus together every day still. Plus, he's got a whole family constellation. So anyway, she was able to track down the mom, and their daughters had gone to preschool together, so she actually had the mom's phone number, and she got as much of the story straight from her son as she could, and then she called the mom. And I was just so impressed with my friend, who wasn't like, oh, I'm going to pretend it didn't happen, but no, I want to make things right with this other mom and go straight to her without fear, without skirting around the fact that my son active aggress- acted aggressively towards your child and hurt your child in whatever capacity that is. And how can how can we get to a place where that that we're mm-hmm. okay with it? Um, with kids, so this is where another place, we have a child this week who has said things like, nobody likes me, I don't have any friends. And the another sibling who's observing the, the sibling inter, the interactions with the kids, other friends, says, yeah, they were legit being mean to her. They were legit leaving her out. And the question, it just becomes this huge challenge of how do you help a kid who is very much not only perceiving this situation, but it's actually, they're perceiving it correctly. (laughs) You know, this kid was mean to me. And as a parent, I think in order to soften and protect your kid, what what I, I'm not going to project this on everybody else out there, but what I have a tendency to think or to want to say to my kid is to soften and say, I'm sure they didn't really mean it. I'm sure they were, you know, whatever the circumstance, I want to find a way to soften their behavior towards you so it's not just look those kids were being jerks to you and our kids are too young for us to go yeah people suck (laughs) well our girls are actually getting to the age where i'm like look girls starting around your age get real hard and they can be your friend one week and then they're not your friend the next week and then they're overtly mean to you the next week and then they're super nice to you and most of my friends all through high school were guys because I did not like the girl games. And in middle school, I had gotten bounced around like a ping pong ball because I couldn't figure out why do they like me now? Why do they not like me? And it was it was baffling and frustrating to the point where I was like, if this is what girls are like, I'm going to be friends with guys who mm-hmm. are a little bit denser, but they're way more predictable. Heck yeah, we are. And so, so I mean, I've started telling my girls like look girls are girls are hard girls 
can be mean to you for no reason. But I'm, I don't want to skirt around the fact that, yeah, I don't, I don't know why those two girls didn't want to play with you on church at Wednesday night. And I have verification from your siblings that they said, no, you can't play with us. Like that happened. And how do we deal with that now? And I guess what the, the, the overarching thing that I'm trying to get at is trying to build in ourselves and our kids the capacity to be like, yeah, people, people can be really mean. The amount of meanness or sin and hatred that people, even small people, are capable of, we should not be surprised by and we shouldn't underestimate. And we also, I want to train in our girls and all of our kids the capacity to be confident in who they are in Christ so that they are not tossed about with every changing emotion of the girls around them, whether they're friends or not. And yet, we we don't want them to do this, yes, Lewis, put your heart in a box where it can't be hurt and it will shrivel and not feel anything at all thing. We want to be raining, raising people and training in ourselves empathy and love and kindness and recognizing people who are hurting and uh, pursuing justice when that is appropriate and coming alongside right now I'm picturing in my mind marathon runners who are limp fall down 50 yards from the finish line you know when somebody comes along and puts themselves under that person's armpit mm-hmm. and puts the person's arm around their neck and you know they limp together to the finish line you know being the person who picks up the person who's been hurt by other people when we can't pursue justice with them you know in in a little kid's case I'm not going to call up the moms of these girls who one Wednesday night didn't want to include another little girl in something they were already doing I would rather focus on my daughter's heart and whatnot I what I don't know is when to actually engage the other moms why did God give us so many girls? <laughs> um, no clue. <laughs> Chicky's not been very loud. I know, because she's so sweet and asleep. She's she's still breathing. She's still alive. She's asleep? Yep. She's all cuddled up and warm and cozy. There we go. little chirp. Well, that's because you opened your hand up. I know, because she's so cute. <clears throat> they are so really cute. adorable. You're a person who doesn't like... Birds are kind of scary to me. I guess when you start, when they're that little, they're... They're adorable. We're going to have a hard time eating scary. them later. I told Faith when she was in the room, we're gonna. they were talking about names again. Oh, I'm like, I'm going to name mine. This one's Taco. This one's Burrito. This one's Quesadilla. And <laughs> what one... did Faith said, let's name this one... What did she say? She said oh, something was that was funny. totally... Bacon or like... Hamburger or something, yeah. and we're like, no, you're missing the point. You're <laughs> listing things that aren't made out of chicken. <laughs> this one's tortilla soup. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't remember what face, what names Faith was coming up with, but none of them were actually. What's crazy is it's foods. not opening its mouth when it chirps. Yeah, the chirping comes from like their throat. Okay, here's something that I learned um, from Instagram, I'm sure, but then I googled a whole article on it. Did you know that they, they being scientists, don't know how a cat produces its purring sound? Really? There's all these theories. And nobody actually knows how a cat produces its purring sound or why a cat purrs. Because there's the typical, you know, you've gotten a good spot or they're happy with you or whatever. But apparently a lot of cats, this is taking a really morbid turn all of a sudden, apparently a lot of cats will purr while they're being put down. Like some instinct kicks in and as they're having the drug that makes them fall asleep, they purr. Right up until their heart stops beating. That's a good way to go. It's kind of wild. But also, the the frequency, the, the sound frequency at which cats mm-hmm. purr is one that scientists use. At, man, the, the human body is wild. Just the body, bodies in general. Like the fact that cats, a cat can have a near-death experience and like two days later be out i mean minerva was out hunting mice this morning despite yesterday having to sleep all morning from physical trauma so so scientists believe and i'm not sure why this is the case but in this case i'm going to trust the science that there are certain sound frequencies that promote healing in the in the body not just the human body, but in bodies in general. And different frequencies affect different parts of the body. So one frequency will affect hard tissue, like bones, and another frequency will affect soft tissue healing. And so having a purring cat sitting on your lap or something actually is physically restorative to you. It's not just relaxing and helping your blood pressure. It can actually help you at a cellular level for your body to be rebuilding itself and cats purr like Minerva is lying on our bed and you barely touch her and she starts purring like crazy. And I was telling the kids, and I'm like, so she's self healing right now. I mean, that's what the internet told me, <laughs> uh, which is just <clears throat> wild. It's so wild. I've also been learning speaking of how wild the body is that, Emotions are experienced by your body in the form of energy and get stored in cells at a particular level beneath your skin called your fascia. Your fascia stores emotional energy that is actually stored in your cells like a battery. And there are certain massage maneuvers that get those cells that have the emotional energy stored in them like a battery to move around and to release. So I've watched this on the internet because it's wild, but there will be people who will do certain massage maneuvers on different parts, like your belly button apparently can store, like the tissue around that can store trauma, as well as... like You start crying or something? Yes, people will be getting a massage and they'll just start crying. 
or they'll get like a chiropractic. Is this how faith healers figure out how to get the emotional out of these people? They try to heal. They just massage them and touch them in the right. They're not. No, faith healers are not massaging and touching people like that. They're maybe that's it. Maybe you you've never watched American Gospel, have you? You should watch American Gospel because the whole faith healer thing is. Like, I'm being sarcastic. Well, there's actually a whole. That's a psychological <clears throat> thing. Like, there's actually psychological manipulation going on with faith healers. I don't want to watch people getting massaged and start crying. That's so weird. Then don't. That's the joy of the internet. So you just, weird. if you don't want to see it, you don't have to. It's too too much. No. Um. Okay, we just had a stage whisper. They're going to grandma's. The you don't have to then. No, American okay. Gospel. So I'm not going to. Actually, you should watch. I know. I know. It's fascinating. If you, we've we talked about this, we've talked about this on ages and ages ago because you were watching it. Yes, I was watching primarily the second one, but the first one is about specifically about faith healers because it was focusing on the Benny Hinn world and a, one of the things that they do in like the Benny Hinn auditorium or tour is the ushers will take someone who has an obviously incurable thing, like one leg is shorter than the other, or, you know, they they can't walk without a wheelchair or something, and they'll actually steer those people into prayer rooms, so there's no way they can get into the lines to go to the front of the auditorium and obviously not be healed. And a lot of the people who are you know, knocked down are, have convinced themselves that this is going to happen. And so they're easily manipulated into having it happen to them. And then also for someone who kind of walks with a limp, they, the adrenaline plus being genuinely convinced that they're going to be healed, get, they get up and they walk away and then they, you know, get in their car and they get out of their car and they're limping again is kind of what I remember from that show that I watched two years ago. But anyway, that's so no, faith healers are not actually, this is actually rearranging tissue in such a way that people who, I mean, you know this at an instinctive level, right? That your, your body, your body physically manifests stress in ways mm-hmm. that your brain is cognitively maybe not doing, but that people get hives from stress. People get must. I get super tight knots in between my shoulder blades and under my shoulder blades from tension. And when I'm a little bit more in tune with my emotions now that I'm more advanced in age, but when I was in, in my 20s, I just was like, I'm superwoman. I don't get stressed. I handle hard things. And then I would have crippling back pain. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a really long time to learn that the crippling back pain was a physical expression of stress that I was not cognitively processing. And so my body, my body knew and my body was storing it up. And so this is just a more scientific way of thinking about that and processing it. And then also people, and I, I admit it sounds kind of woo woo and new agey and it probably can slip easily into that realm, but recognizing that there are physical manifestations of emotional stress in our lives, and especially if we're not able to bring that out in the open to process it, it gets stored there in various ways. 
that are beyond our understanding because we truly are fearfully and wonderfully made and who who knows how God designed yeah. the mind I mean, body. <clears throat> you learn new stuff have. about the human body all the time and God definitely designed us as very unique creatures and science has showed us over the last forever that we're using just a fraction of our abilities basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna um I'm gonna pick on you for a minute. Oh great. <laughs> Make it quick. You. I gotta go set up for a sound check in about an hour. You're giving me permission to pick on you for an hour. No, I'm no, I'm just you... gonna throw this out there. I this this is related to the oh, not cognitively processing stress mm-hmm. and just emotional dysregulation in general. We have a rabbit, right? <laughs> and he's just the longer we have him, the more comical he gets. He he's a very comical creature. He. If the kids or me, if I'm leaving the house, then I want to put him back in his crate because he hops around loose in our living room most of the day. If he gets chased for a while and then he gets a chance to stop and catch his breath, he always thumps his foot. Think Thumper from Bambi. Mm -hmm. Rabbits thump their feet. And and I always, growing up, thought they thumped their feet to express danger. But he's been being chased around for a while, and now he's stopping to catch his breath, and then he thumps his foot. Or sometimes they'll go, boom, boom. And it's a shockingly loud thump for such a small creature. That is the rabbit world equivalent to a person sitting in church, jiggling the entire row because they're shaking their leg. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason Jared's laughing is because I'm often putting my hand on his leg to mm-hmm. stop him from jiggling several rows worth of people in church. And it's one of my pet peeves. But it's, it is from a, from a psychologist's perspective, knee jiggling is a sign of unprocessed emotion or emotional dysregulation in general. And I was reminded of that actually, because I was watching... Uh, I think it was a Victor Marks Instagram post about a little girl at a drag show. And this little girl who looked like she was plucked right out of like a Shirley Temple movie. Like, like straight cut bangs, like flowy dress. And she's sitting on a chair in the middle of a circle of drag queens. And she's jiggling her legs. And she's like holding a $20 bill that her mom has handed to her. And her mom's kind of like this like like uber suburban mom stereotype and her mom's just swaying like outside of the circle though this girl is by herself and she's just jiggling one leg and one of the commenters that i saw on this said that's a sign of emotional dysregulation right now and she knows that she's not able to express it in her face or verbally because she's getting all these mixed signals from the adults that she trusts in her life. But the leg jiggle is a giveaway that she's... I have, <clears throat> I have so many questions as to what was going on in that scenario, but I know that's not the point. Oh, it's of, so problematic. It's problematic of, on all sorts of levels. <clears throat> we all know this. But anyway, that's an obvious situation where she should be uncomfortable and dysregulated because she's being put in a situation that's... Well, now you have me wondering what I'm emotionally dysregulated about. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you jiggling your leg is like the rabbit who is 
you know, being chased by little kids, and then when he pauses to catch his breath, then his yeah. body works I know, the emotion out. But now you've out. got me wondering why I'm dysregulated I don't about know. what that, I'm dysregulated about. That maybe people who are listening to us after listening See, can maybe it's not helpful to, to pick on up. your hus- husband without actually helping me figure it out. I, I'm, I'm teasing you. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Let, You're fine. Heck yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you guys, whenever I put my hand on his leg to make him stop jiggling, he acts like I put my hand over there to hold his hand. So he just sits there and holds my hand and keeps jiggling. <laughs> just so you know how that works itself out in church. I sit there vibrating with my hand being held hostage. <laughs> and I don't win either way. But we're together. We are together. And we're sharing a we connection. Are together. I'm going to hold this check up to the microphone before you do your farewell thing. So everyone can experience the adorableness. This is not a sound effect, you guys. This is a real live, either bard rock or astralorp chick that's about three days old. Four days old? Four or five days old. So anyway, put that on repeat if you're emotionally just dysregulated and your leg's been jiggling. And just think about baby chicks and Easter, and God rising from the dead, and everything will be better. (laughs) I hope you guys know I'm joking. It's not that easy. (laughs) All right. If you guys want to send us a message, you can do so on our website, www.toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct, or tb2f.com. You can scroll down there and send us a postcard. You can order some swag. People are weird and hard stickers. Too Busy to Flush logo wear, and just kind of whatever you want. If you like to get involved on a little bit of a deeper level with conversation, we do have a private Telegram group, and I'll include that link in the show notes, and you can hit that. So thanks so much for joining us on this rambling journey about things and people, and it seems like we're kind of an acquired taste. The more you listen to us, the more you enjoy us. And if you really didn't like us, you stop. Yeah, if you really didn't like us, you never come back. So there is that. Anyway, um... That's all I have. We'll uh, I'll try to get this up tomorrow, Saturday. And, and skiing with the Ninos. Yeah. Have a great week, guys. Bye.